At the heart of what we do is, um, is an acknowledgement that time is a network resource, right? So it's a kind of fancy way of saying something that anybody who's worked on a team knows is true. You don't have full control over your calendar. You get invited to meetings, someone cancels at the last minute, whatever it is. So individuals are actually pretty good at managing their own calendars, but managing, like, for example, a small team's calendar is hard and managing a department's calendar is much harder and managing calendars across a whole company is almost impossible. Want to know how the world's smartest engineers are proving their dev team's connection to the business bottom line? Or how they keep a lead cycle time while minimizing dev burnout and maximizing retention? These are just two of the topics leaders from Slack, Shopify, and Stripe will tackle at Interact on October 25th. A free, virtual, community-driven engineering leadership conference, Interact is a one-day event with more than 25 of the most respected minds in software engineering, all selected by the thousands of engineering leaders in the Dev Interrupted community. If you are a developer, team lead, VP, or CTO looking to improve your team, this is the conference for you. Go to devinterrupted.com slash interact to register free today. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Dev Interrupted. I'm your host, Dan Lines, and today I'm joined by Dan Kador, VP of Engineering at Clockwise. Dan, welcome to the show. Super glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome to have you. Clockwise, very cool company. I think lots and lots of people know it. And what's even more exciting about this episode is we're going to talk about data a little bit. And we're going to talk yeah. about metrics, which is near and dear to our hearts and my heart for myself and at Linear B. There was a report that you all came up with. It's called the 2022 Software Engineering Meeting Benchmark Report. You know, it covers 1.5 million meetings. So a lot of meetings, 80,000 engineers, 5,000 companies really excited to jump into that report with you. As I was saying, even before the show, I took a look at some of those numbers. Definitely, there's a few in there that are intuitive. If you've been a, a software engineer, I looked in, I'm like, yeah, okay, this totally makes sense. Yeah. Also, I think a few that you know are interesting and we'll, we'll dive into all of that. And I'm also really excited because you all are going to join us at Interact, which we have coming up soon. Yeah, super excited to be there. It's going to be fun. So that will be a great time. Before we get into the report and into the data, I always like to hear a little bit about you and your background, you know, how you built your career and how you got to Clockwise. Sure. Yeah, it's great to be here. As you've said, I have the pleasure of leading engineering here at, at Clockwise. I've been here for about a year. Before this, I've helped lead engineering teams at a bunch of different places, Salesforce, Lyft, Handshake most recently. This is across the last 16 years or so. I've also co-founded, operated, and sold a venture-backed company in that time. So I've had you know a bunch of great opportunities. I've been really lucky so far in my career. And then school-wise, I've studied computer science at University of Illinois So uh, and, and grew up in the Midwest. So that's where my roots are. But yeah, I'm happy to talk a little bit about Clockwise and kind of what it is uh, we're up to, if that'd be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. One question that I have for you, because I, I didn't realize that you you said that you found you started your own company and went through. Tell me about that for a minute. Like, you know, what made yeah. you do that? How did that go for you? That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. So 
I started a company back in, I guess it was 20, it was 2011 actually, but we we founded it officially in 2012 with two of my best friends who I went to high school and college with and worked together a little bit with actually as well. And we had always said to ourselves, said to each other, you know, we want to start a company someday, but really tried to wait until we had an idea that seemed, <laughs> you know, actually worth going after. And so if you remember back, you know, this was over a decade ago now showing my age, but in 2011, 2010, we really saw kind of the rise of the API ecosystem. And at the time, myself and one of my co-founders, we were working at Salesforce on the API platform there, or I was on the API side. He was on what Salesforce calls Apex, which is their programming language. So we were working sort of at the forefront of like the world's biggest enterprise developer platform and learned a lot of important lessons around scale and go to market there. And our other co-founder was a serial startup guy and kept rebuilding the same analytics platform kind of over and over as he switched companies. And we thought, hmm, there's got to be a better way. We can't sort of be in a place where every single company is reinventing the analytics stack from, from ground up. And so we built an API for analytics. The company was called Keen.io. And yeah, um, you know, we, we started in 2012. We went through a startup accelerator, Techstars raised some money afterwards and kind of were off to the races. Eventually Sequoia got on board. So we were, you know, that was, that was a very cool moment for us. And uh, across the course of six years, you know, we built, we built the company out to millions in revenue with thousands of customers, tens of thousands of developers on the platform. And eventually we ended up selling it still running today. So it's always gratifying as, you know, I was the CTO. It's always gratifying. Like when the code that you wrote is still running billions and billions of times, you know, yeah. Day. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that story. I love, yeah. you know, people coming from engineering background that start up and do their own thing. And we've said it, I think, in a bunch of episodes, but one of the like quick lessons that I'll take away from there is you started a company in an area of pain that you knew about as an engineer yeah. and it became yeah. very successful. So yeah, encouraging everyone in our audience to start up and do your own thing. Let's move to the benchmark report. So it's called the Software Engineering Meeting Benchmark Report made by Clockwise. What is this report all about? Yeah, so the, the, I mean, it's right there in the name. The, the report is really about how engineering teams and the people on those engineering teams experience their calendars, right? What, what do their calendars look like? What are the meetings on those calendars? What types of meetings are there? What kind of volume do they have, especially as people change and grow in their career, either through leveling up on the IC track, switching over to the management track, you know, difference between management, director, VP, that kind of thing. And also the difference between meeting cultures on aggregate between smaller companies and medium-sized companies and larger companies. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, when I, so when I was a developer and then a team leader, certainly dealt with this a lot, didn't have the data to support it. But I remember many conversations of, I'm in too many meetings yep. or we're having too many company meetings. I can't get my work done. I remember actually having to talk to the CEO about it saying, hey, we have like a little bit too much going on, the engineers, and, it, and it's difficult to understand. I didn't have, I wasn't able to fully articulate it like, hey, this lack of focus time leads to lack of productivity. This is back, back in the day. And lack of productivity leads to our projects aren't delivering on time. And the projects aren't delivering on time leads to less revenue for you. 
It was That's more right. like a, a cry for help, right? Right. So it's like <laughs> pretty, pretty cool that, that you have the data. And, and we'll get into to all of that. We're, we're yep. going to talk about how the report is built. But the other thing that I liked about, about the report before we do like the full deep dive, it also talks a little bit about individual versus like manager, team leader. Because a lot of yeah. people usually are thinking like, what is that? What does it look like for me to go from being a de- like an individual developer to a team leader? And you'll see, you can see in data that yep. where you're spending your time is going to change drastically. But before we go there, like, how did you get all of this? Like, how do you have all of this data? Where does it come yeah. from? How is the report made? Yeah, absolutely. So maybe to set some context first, I'll just talk a little bit about what Clockwise is and then how we have this data. So what Clockwise is, we're a team time management platform and we help customers like Uber, Reddit, New York Times, Brex, and many more make time for what matters. So what that means is we're not a calendar app. Instead, we work on behalf of our users to do what calendar apps can't do, which is actually create more time. You know, and I, I love new calendar apps, but they fall short because individual efforts to manage time really can't work for everyone when time is a shared resource and networked across the whole organization. So with Clockwise, users are able to input their goals and preferences related to how they spend their time and how they want to be spending their time. And we handle the rest by automatically scheduling and rescheduling events, all in the name of creating more focused time for all of our users. So why do we have this data? We really act on behalf of our customers to, again, automatically schedule and reschedule events on their calendars. That access comes through OAuth. And then to provide the best possible performance on our platform of really reacting quickly as changes to calendars happen, we mirror calendar data such as events, attendees, and RSVP status into our own database. So that's where the data comes from. Yeah, very cool. I mean, I know the Linear B team is definitely utilizing clockwise and it spread up to me as well. People say, nice. hey, you need to, <laughs> need to get this. Yeah, one, one thing that I did, did want to ask you I assume, and from what I know, it's like anyone in the world can use Clockwise. It doesn't matter what your job is, but is there something particular about being an engineer or that, you know, type of person that made you do this report? Yeah. So we definitely see a large, probably our largest concentration of, of customers within engineering teams. And I think that's largely because engineers probably are at the forefront of understanding the value of focus time, understanding how important it is in a fragmented day where you're Swiss cheese by meetings to really preserve time to focus on, you know, the latest PR, uh, getting a new piece of code out there, managing a deploy out the door, whatever it is, thinking hard about, you know, a new piece of, of architecture and, and engineers, you know, we are probably at many organizations kind of the most expensive <laughs> part of the of the uh, of salary. So there's a very easy, I think, tie back that from generating time for engineers to you know, generating more revenue for for the business. And so it's that just the bottom line math is is really clear uh, for a lot of our customers in that way. Yeah, we can see it in the linear B data as well. I mean, when you think about being a developer, you're creating, you're a creator. And so that focus time, 
uninterrupted time, the way the area that we dig into it. So we, we kind of measure the coding time. How much coding time are you allowed to get every week? So that's kind of like your focus time yep. area. And the other area that we're, we're seeing it as well is in that pull request or merge request process, the interruptions going back and yep. forth. Yeah. I mean, for, for our world, non-fragmentation or like having that focus time totally, totally matters. And I think it's because we're all inventors. Do you have an API? Like, is this, can we pull this data or is it, where are you at with the API? Yeah. So the API is not how we have the data. You know, we, we do have APIs, but those are used by our clients, which are either, you know, browser extension or the web app to communicate with our backend. So instead our users, again, give us access to their calendars through OAuth. And then those calendar service, calendar services like Google provide us with the ability to subscribe to calendars. And so we've set up infrastructure to receive webhooks of event notifications, whatever changes are made to those calendars. So uh, the data, you know, we're holding on to that. Our, we take security super seriously. You know, we're not trying to like monetize this data. We're not trying to resell this data ever, you know, not trying to, not trying to do anything nefarious with it. And so, yeah, we're not, you know, there's no APIs for like pulling in another organization's data or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was more wondering like, can I, like for Linear B, we're using Clockwise. Can I get, can I pull it for our organization? Or is that not out yet from an API standpoint? Not out from an API standpoint. We have some admin tools through our web app. So you can pull interesting stats that way. Yeah. And then of course, you know, we're happy to, to work with you. If you've got specific questions, we can kind of go through your data with you. Yeah, absolutely. So- sounds great. I have a, a question on here. We'll see where this goes, but is there a clockwise secret sauce that yeah, you can of course. talk about? Yeah, absolutely. What kind of what kind of tech company would we be without some secret sauce? So again, at the heart of what we do is um, is an acknowledgement that time is a network resource, right? So it's a kind of fancy way of saying something that anybody who's worked on a team knows is true. You don't have full control full control over your calendar. You get invited to meetings. Someone cancels at the last minute, whatever it is. So individuals are actually pretty good at managing their own calendars, but managing like, for example, a small team's calendar is hard and managing a department's calendar is much harder and managing calendars across a whole company is almost impossible. So clockwise, what we do is we're constantly looking at all these calendars. Remember, we're subscribing to them in real time mm-hmm. across all members of the company. And really what we're doing is we're considering up to a million permutations a day of and that's per team per day, of ways to rearrange events on these calendars. Again, all in service of trying to create more focus time for people to do deep work. So as we're doing these many, many permutations per team, what we do is we try to select the best possible permutation, the one that's generating the most focus time, reducing the most conflicts, and apply it to these calendars by moving events around automatically on behalf of our users. And as a side, just you know, we never create conflicts. We're never going to move a meeting that you haven't asked us to to manage for you. You know, we, we really try to respect preferences in that way. So secret sauce. Imagine you're a developer and you, you're asked to build something like this. You know, it's pretty straightforward if you're doing this for a couple of people. Like you can kind of think in your head, I could, I could think about how to write that code. It gets complicated, but still, still feels a little tractable if you're doing it for a mid-sized team. But 
think about how nasty the problem space gets if you're responsible for, for doing this for a company with thousands or tens of thousands of employees. It quickly spirals, or spirals out. It's an N-squared problem. So how can you consider like the seemingly infinite, infinite number of permutations? So putting, putting this in terms of, you know, if I like really dust off the cobwebs, put it in terms of my ancient CS degree, what we've learned is that this is actually similar to what's formally called the maximum independent set problem. So in other words, if you have a company of 10,000 people, how do you map those people into smaller groups of independent folks so you can make optimizations among those smaller groups? You can't simply go, all right, let's take marketing on one, sales in another, engineering in a third. And if you look into the, the problem space, it turns out that maximum independent set problem is actually strongly NP hard, which means there's, there's just no known efficient general algorithm for solving it. Mm-hmm. So the secret sauce we have is how we solve this specific problem in this specific domain. And that's probably about as far as I can get. But if you want to know more about it, come work with us because uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, that sounds like a, definitely one of those problems that's fun to work out at scale. Yeah, My brain started hurting thinking about d- doing it. Then I started to think about if I can set my own preferences. Maybe I don't want to meet at certain times. You have to that's right. Take into account like my personal behavior, everyone's personal behavior. Yeah. It sounds like a Yeah, fun. the constraints are uh, really interesting to, to think through and make sure we're respecting. Yeah. Sounds like a really fun problem to work on. If we're, you know, transitioning here a little bit into the report mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. Is there a particular place that you want to start or something interesting? We can either go one by one through the you know, sections, but was there anything that popped out for you data-wise from that report? Yeah, absolutely. So the report itself, again, is from over a million and a half meetings that we've had in our database as well. And it's also joined with some qualitative surveys that we've done of engineering managers who are users of Clockwise. And so, you know, just at the top, I, I really love the the some of the survey results around focus time, which is, you know, 90% of everybody we've surveyed says focus time makes me more productive. 80% of folks say focus time, you know, which we define as two hours of, of contiguous sort of uninterrupted time on your calendar helps me finish projects faster. And three out of four folks actually say that focus time helps my company bring in more revenue, which I love, you know, music to my ears. So that's one of my favorite insights. And then I really love, maybe there's a couple other things I'll, I'll highlight. We can dive in in kind of any amount of detail you'd like. Sure. I love that, as you said, there's some things that we feel intuitively about engineers. We advance in our career as you climb the career ladder. And this really shows, you know, in data, in numbers, how many more meetings per week, you know, on average, your, your schedule is going to have as you move into the management track. And I also really love that it shows the coordination tax of, you know, the difference between a small company versus a medium-sized company and a larger company. And at larger companies, I think we've all felt like, oof, I am just buried in meetings. And that's one of the reasons people kind of go to startups is so they can like have more time to actually do the job that they they thought they were signing up for. So yeah, I love all, all those things. All of those are, are interesting and they kind of popped out for me because it's like, and, and you should re- read the report because like at the highest level, okay, you could just say, uh, more meetings suck, <laughs> like for right. being a, a developer. But yeah. if you dig into the data, then it's like actually gives you some information of, of what to to do about it. So 
if we're starting with the uh, focus time, I'll give like an anecdote for for Linear B and see see what you you found. We kind of invented this thing with pull requests that if you get a pull request assigned to you, so like us two on the pod, Dan to Dan, you get a pull request, I assign it to you. We send you a little message through our bot that says, hey, Dan, you have this PR assigned to you. But by the way, it's only going to take you 10 minutes Mm. to review. Or on the flip side, hey, you know, based on our data, what you've done in the past, you know, the areas of change here, it's actually going to take you 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen is providing that data to the reviewer, they can then make a more educated decision of how to optimize their time. So for example... If you have 10 minutes before everyone's hitting lunch together or something like that, do, you know, take on a pull request that will only take yep. you three minutes or five minutes. Don't start mm-hmm. the one that's 45 minutes. If you start the one that's 45 minutes, you're going to be more fragmented because yep. you're not going to get through it. You're going to go to lunch. You're going to come back. You're going to have to reorient yep. yourself. And now we just, just wasted time. So that's like an example that I can think of and where I know fragmentation hurts. And I don't know if you're going to have the answer to this, but I, I wanted to ask you because I thought about it. When you think about focus time with like clockwise and, and for a person and then an engineer, yep. how much is needed to actually get into a flow? Like what is the, have enough time to like zone in and really yep. get some hard work done? Yeah. I mean, that obviously is going to change uh, based on an, kind of individual preferences and how they, they like to work. But what we think of is really two hours. We kind of focus yeah. on that two hour block as the minimum for, hey, you could actually context switch away from whatever the last meeting you're in, stop thinking about that, you know, finish digesting lunch, whatever it is, and then switch into a deep state of work and have enough time ahead of you to not be scared of like, oh man, I got this next meeting coming up and I really got to prep for it or whatever it is. So yeah. two hours is really what we're looking at as anything under than that, we don't count in any of these statistics. So when you see us talk about focus time, it's about two hour plus blocks of uninterrupted time on the calendar. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's important. So like if you're a developer, you can probably do this w- with clockwise, but even if you're not using clockwise think to yourself because i was going to say like an hour 45 minutes intuitively but like two hours is what you need the first 15 minutes to half an hour i have to settle in i'm checking stuff i'm like i don't know i just get all this mental stuff off my board straight yeah yeah where you want it yeah all the things Uh, and this is probably more advanced but the other thing that came to mind to me is as my day progresses So meaning I'm like taking on more mental load earlier in the day, I find it's taking me longer and longer to settle in. Mm -hmm. So it's like my second block, maybe give yourself a little more. Yeah. At least that's fine for myself. Yeah. It's a great point. I think people really should be paying close attention to what their specific bodies need. You know, some folks are more productive in the morning and can settle into that flow state much more quickly. And some folks, you know, that's in the afternoons. You know, I used to, one of my favorite colleagues I've ever worked with, his flow state was basically like midnight to 4 a.m. He knew that for himself. And so he would organize his life and his calendar so that he could be in that state. It's exactly. important. Yeah. Now the other, is, I mean, so that's kind of a, any, any other comments on like focus time for specifically for engineers? 
I mean, I guess the the one thing I would call out here is it's great to see in this report a, a bunch of this data, as we talked about, being quantified in an explicit way across many companies. So, yes, between new one ones, additional team syncs or staff meetings, standups, whatever it is, managers tend to have more meetings uh, on their calendars. But I think the challenge for all of us, and especially those of us who've chosen to pursue careers in management, is like really how do we not be beholden to our calendars? You know, how can we take active ownership of our schedules, and how can we make sure we're giving ourselves the time we need to be strategic and think deeply? Because I've I don't know about you, but I've certainly been guilty of this before. And I've met other managers or executives who, who are really just like, well, I wake up and I look what's on my calendar and I got eight hours of meetings and I do those. And then I have no time to think deeply about anything else. And that's just, you know, we, we have to do better. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's like, a, honestly, it's a t- I, I have not mastered this. And it's a terrible feeling to go to get to like Friday or whatever it is and be like, what did I, did I think about anything this week or did I just yeah. jump from meeting to meeting? Totally. So, you know, for me, yeah. it's still a work in progress. Do I set my focus time for the afternoon? Do I do it for the yep. morning? How do I be available? You know, tough, tough problem to solve. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no, you know, single solution by any means, but, uh, it's definitely, I think an important problem to be thinking about for yourself. The, um, you were calling it the coordination tax. Yeah. That one jumped out to me mm-hmm. in the report. Can you tell us what does that mean and any of the data around that? Yeah. So when we talk about the coordination tax, we're really referring to the difference that's noticeable and observable in data in the quantity of meetings that people or engineers experience at companies based on company size. So we really just see a pretty clear distinction between the number of meetings on average that engineers at small companies have, medium companies, and large companies. So that's really what we're talking about when we when we talk about the coordination tax. And it's really kind of noticeable, right? You know, at small companies, we're talking just under 10 hours a week. At medium-sized companies, it's 11 and a half. And large companies, it's over 12. And then if you kind of look at the inverse, just it makes sense. I average amount of focus time you get drops as you go from a small company to a medium company to a large company. So that's what we're talking about there. And it's cool to see the data. Is the coronation side of it like the effort that I'm putting in to find a time to get the a meeting on the calendar and who's available? And because I mean, that's something I, I travel yeah. with as well. Like, or that's how I read that word coronation text because mm-hmm. I'm like spending a bunch of time just okay, I need to have this meeting, but now I have to look at everyone's calendar and like yeah. I'm wasting time just trying right. to get the meeting. Is that what it's about? Yeah, you raise a great point. It's it's not that, but that is oh, an experience that I think we all we all know. So what it is, is really just straight up the number of meetings you have, right? And at large companies, there's just more meetings. And I think we felt that, you know, whether it's I've got I'm in a matrix organization, more at a large organization. So I've got two or three standups to go to or, you know, there's more layers of management. So I got to go to my team thing. And then if I'm a manager, I got to go to the, you know, the scrum of scrums. That's the thing we had at Salesforce back in the day. Yeah. But I think you're right though, that there is also just a straight up, it's harder to find time with people at large companies. Yeah. Yeah, Yes as well. I mean, I'm not, I'm always, cause I have like, um, always have 
developers on my mind, their workflow, what they're going through. And I keep coming back to kind of that review process because I think it's similar in the sense of in a meeting, it, it takes at least two to meet, at least two people, right? And that's yeah. kind of like the crux of it. It's like we're getting a bunch of people together. Time is super valuable. Let's optimize this valuable time. It's the same thing in a pull request in the sense of mm-hmm. I'm asking for a review of at least yep. one person most of the time, sometimes multiple people. And what we have at Linear B, it's like a different type of tax that we're measuring. But it's like, how often am I interrupting you? Do I need to interrupt you for every single pull request or not? Maybe some of them can be automatically or auto kind of approved. But other times it's like, who's the right reviewer? Who's the most available? Who got already bothered too much today and needs more focus time? And so that's where like some of the similarity or or what I was able to uh, relate to, because anytime you're asking someone to stop doing individual work and go help in a meeting or help do a review, you can get a lot of time waste there. That's where, you know, and, and I think for developers, that's where the experience goes down for them. Too many meetings, not yep. non-efficient reviews, bothering me when you don't really need me. A lot of over, overlaps there. The lives of developers are about to change for the better, and listeners of Dev Interrupted are getting early access. Gitstream is the free, revolutionary tool that allows developers to focus more on the craft of code and less on things like toil, rework, and bottlenecks. When Linear B found that 50% of each development cycle was spent on PR idle time, we knew something had to change. We realized CICD alone wasn't enough. We need to shift even farther left to fix the PR process with continuous merge. And we're doing that with Gitstream. With Gitstream, we can solve the PR idle time problem, ship code faster, and make us all happier as developers. To get your early access at Gitstream, Dev Interrupted listeners can sign up at gitstream.cm. That's G-I-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot C-M. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. There are a lot of similarities and and kind of spiritual agreement in the way that our companies see the world. Which is why we're pumped also. I already said that to ha- have you all at Interact, there's a lot of, I think, uh, synergies of what a, a developer, you know, where uh, the world is about developer experience. What yeah, they're absolutely. going through to be able to get their work done, their code merge, actually getting time to focus on 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 coding. And, and that's kind of pretty cool where, where we come together. The third one that you mentioned, I actually have, I'll read some, some data on it, see if I, I get this right. The average software engineer spends almost half of their week in focus time. So half of their week, I think what we're saying focus time is like that two-hour block, something like yep. that. So you're getting you know, half time in that focus time. After moving into management, so those of you who are thinking about going on that management track, if you're not, you know, already there. After moving into management, the average engineering manager's focus time drops by nine plus hours due to yep. an additional seven hours per week in meetings. Yep. What is our takeaway from that? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the data hides something that is or talks about something that is a little subtle, but important to, to, to kind of bring to the forefront. So seven-ish hours more of meetings results in nine hours 
of lost focus time. And what that's really pointing to is the time between meetings, right? Yeah. We've all felt that where we had a day, it's like, okay, my whole day, I've had six meetings. They're, you know, 30 minutes each, but 30 minutes between. And I, I got nothing done other than being in those meetings. Yeah. And I think the data, you know, we're talking in large aggregates, but what we see is actually there's a pretty wide range of kind of healthiness of engineering cultures across these different companies. And so some companies are really like, they do a good job of, you know, maybe they have a good no meeting day and then they, they have a culture of like mornings where we have our meetings, we try to keep afternoons open, or maybe they're doing something like what Slack's been doing recently. And like, we have a whole like no meeting week or creator week, I believe is what they call it. Yeah. And then some companies really just don't pay any attention to it at all. And you can see that Swiss cheese effect. And so even if maybe they only have a few more hours of meetings per week, they actually have like no focus time because, because of the, the effects that I was just talking about. Right. And so, yeah, I just love that the data kind of gives it a nice hint and, and entry point into understanding that phenomenon a little bit better. Yeah, there's like, a, I think, a, a few takeaways there for me. So one is, I don't know, like at Linear B, we call it transition time. So yep. there's that additional tax or transition time going from meeting to meeting or going from I'm coding, I have my coding time, and now you're asking me to do something else. I have to transition back and forth. That takes time. So yep. it's not just like, uh, I don't know if you would say linear, but you can't just say, oh yeah, right when the meeting ends, you're back to productivity and coding yeah. time. That's not the way that it works, right? That's right. So it's like one, one, one takeaway. And that transition time is maybe like more than you think it is. More yep. maybe even intuitively. Then the other, other thing about it is just if you're going down the manager track, which is a great track for some people, like you have a technical Certainly. track, a manager track, but you should know like you're going to be in meetings. That's like you're yeah. going to be in one-on-ones. You're going to be in stand-ups. You're going to be in, you know, design meetings. And your work lifestyle will change. And there's data to prove that if it's already not known by you, it's like, you know, that, and, and some people are great at it, but that's what you're signing up for. And your challenge is going to be to maintain some hours of focus as a manager for yourself, because that yeah. one is pulling from you for that meeting. Yeah, I think that's right. I think many of us, as we switched into management, you know, we do it hopefully <laughs> because, you know, we, as sort of cliched as the term is, we have sort of a servant leadership mentality and we're like looking to really enable and help the teams. And so I think many of us have a, a, a reaction that like, cool, my calendar is not mine anymore. I'm here just to serve the team. You know, if my meeting gets, if my day gets filled up with meetings, great, as long as my teams don't. But that's really not, I think, the sign of an effective leader. The sign of an effective leader is someone who knows how to balance the additional meeting load that you just described with creating enough space for themselves to not be reactive, to think to the future, to be proactive. So yeah, that, that feels really important to me to call out here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we have this data. We have like a self-reflection. Maybe you, I, I assume you have it at clockwise, like clockwise engineering. How do we change our behavior based on this data so that we can have a more effective engineering organization. Yeah. 
So at Clockwise, we maybe unsurprisingly have this as a core metric for our whole company. So we pay attention very closely at an OKR level to the average number of focus time hours per employee per quarter. And, you know, we've, we've really worked to drive that up, uh, across the, the, the course of our company's existence. And so those, the way we've done, there's no single, again, no single solution, but we've, we've tried to look at the places where we were losing focus time and address them systematically. So as an example, interviews, interviews are a classic place where engineers are spending a ton of time they have very little control over when they show up on when interviews show up on calendar because you know you want to be responsive to candidates. It's the right thing to do. It can be super distracting and super destructive to focus time. And so we've tried to find a nice balance. We've iterated on a couple of different things. We've explored and experimented. When the company started, we had a policy of every panel that we did, two engineers would be on it. And we'd have four or five of those panels and we'd go through and we built a great team that way. We found through data that actually having that second person was not super predictive of making better hiring decisions. And so we pulled that down to one. So now, you know, just by that, we kind of, it's not a straight up cutting in half of, of the damage to focus time, but it's close to that. We've done a similar thing on, on uh, debriefs. You know, those debriefs used to be synchronous. Now they're asynchronous. People send in their feedback. And if there's general alignment and agreement, we make a hiring decision without ever having to meet synchronously. If there's something to discuss, then we pull the team together. So these are, you know, that's just one small example. But we've done that kind of systematically around various areas of the business, whether it's interviews, whether it's, you know, how we conduct PR review or anything else. Yeah, I mean, one of the, I think the best takeaways for those listening to the pod, it's like respect your engineer's time. Like that's, the, I mean, that's the thing that is one of the most valuable assets of an, uh, a creator is their time. So it's like, do we need both people in the interview process? Seems like we don't. Okay, let's get yep. time back to uh, one of them. Did you do anything with like uh, stand-ups or like the ceremonies? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've iterated our way through a bunch of, of different experiments here. Where we're ending up right now is leaning really heavily into async practices as much as possible while still recognizing and understanding that in a, in a company that's operating primarily remote first, it's important to get FaceTime. So most of our, we, we, we divide engineering product and design into what we call squads here. Most of our squads are doing async standups two, three times a week through Slack and then meeting live kind of once a week, either for a stand-up or we have two week sprints. So maybe in the off week, it's a stand-up. On the on week, it's you know the planning and retro. And then we've also made space for an explicit just you know hanging out time. You know, we've, our our teams have told us that's been important to them, and so just you know let's play some games together, whether it's you know GeoFinder, Jackbox, or whatever else. Just give, have some fun. Yeah, uh, super important. Yeah. Did you do anything with the, uh, like no meeting day or, mm-hmm. you know, have you done anything? What, what did you do and is it working? Yeah. Yeah. So we implemented a no meeting day. Ours is Wednesday and we follow it pretty strictly. You know, we really try to make sure that 
especially for ICs, like we really don't put meetings on people's calendars. And that's been, you know, both in the data we see about kind of productivity at an aggregate level and qualitatively from our engineers. It's been a huge success, you know, so much so that we've actually built it into the product. It's a feature. So at Clock, you know, if, if you are a user of Clockwise, you can go in and turn on a no meeting day for your team or for your company. And we will take that into consideration as we move meetings around to to not put meetings on those days. So yeah, I think that's a great practice. Yeah, I mean, the next uh, integration I, w- I want to do with you is the uh, pull request review time. Yes. To make sure happens. it's not fragmented. And, you know, uh-huh. I think that that's, you know, with our data shows that could totally be needed. That would be really, I think, fun for this audience. I'm sure we can think of a few others yeah. uh, that are dev developer specific. Yeah, uh, killer. but yeah. Uh, really cool stuff. Any Anything else that you want to mention on like behavior change or advice for giving time back to devs? Again, I'll just lean into getting experimental and trying things out to see how they, they work, especially, especially async practices and especially at, at larger companies where that, that meeting tax, that coordination tax is higher. I feel like, you know, there's a big opportunity for engineering leaders, you know, VPs, directors, managers, whatever it is, to really try out new ways of operating as teams and and give, as you were talking about, give your engineers time back. Not all of it's going to work, but I think a lot of these are, you know, two-way doors, easy to experiment with, and your team will really appreciate it. And I think it'll have a big difference. Yeah, amazing. So, you know, we've said it a few times, but everyone definitely check out the 2022 Software Engineering Meeting Benchmark Report by Clockwise. We also at Linear B have a report of our own, similarly titled the Engineering Benchmarks Report. And this is going to be around analyzing PRs. With Clockwise, you're analyzing meetings. We're analyzing pull requests at Linear B and seeing where those blockers are. And we said a a few times, you know, they kind of have like really good synergy here. So if you check out these two reports together, I think you'll learn something and make some adaptations to your team. And Dan, wanted to thank you, you know, so much for coming on the pod. It's been an awesome combo with you. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Now, I know that you have kind of a call to action that's similar to what we've been saying for for most of the pod, but I do think it's really important for developer experience. But, you know, what what is your kind of a call to action for the crew listening? Yeah, I would just say really like, take back control of your calendar. You know, all of us, whether we're heads down on a deep architectural refactoring or thinking through a complicated reorg, doesn't really matter on the the role. We really need deep focus time to do our jobs effectively. You can try to do it yourself. That's great. But Clockwise is here to help if you want a hand. So if you want, go to getclockwise.com, sign up. It'll just take a couple of minutes. You tell us your preferences and we'll immediately start optimizing your calendar and making more space for you. Yeah, very cool. As I said, we're, we're using it at Linear B, so definitely check it out. And uh, also a quick reminder You know, if you really like this conversation, if you love this conversation, then you'll also love hearing more from Dan and Clockwise at Interact. So if you're not at Interact, definitely register. That's our conference. We've been doing it for a while now. Lots and lots of interesting people will be presenting. Dan will dive into more of the data 
from that engineering meeting benchmark report. The report is filled with amazing, amazing content, just like at Interact. You'll also hear from amazing companies like Slack, Atlassian, Shopify. We got interesting people like Tiffin Tech, It's Free to Register, all virtual. It's on October 25th, and you can find the link to register in the show notes. And Dan, thanks again for coming on Dev Interrupted. Thank you so much for having me.